Hello, I'm Simit Bose. Welcome to the Net Hero Podcast. Thanks for subscribing. We're hitting 12,000 downloads, which is brilliant. So keep going. We'd like you to really spread the word about what we're doing. And this week's chat is about something that is very dear to all of us. In fact, without it, we would not be alive. Literally, the NHS. The last two years has seen the NHS do a magnificent job under enormous strain by dealing with the pandemic. But we always know that the NHS is under financial pressure. It is the biggest political issue that we have in this country and the one that we have so much thought and crises about constantly. Because without it, as I said, none of us would be around. But the NHS is also an enormous public sector employer. In fact, it's the biggest. So it too has a duty to change. And what's happening around net zero means that NHS across the country has to move into gear. They've got to get greener and they've got to get cleaner. Well, this week's podcast discusses exactly that. And I catch up with Sarah Price, who's the Chief Officer for Health and Inequalities at the NHS in Greater Manchester. And they've put in a very ambitious plan to take climate change and put it at the heart of healthcare. So have a listen in to our chat. Now, we all know what's going on right now. We have a cost of living crisis. Inflation is high. And also, we're still recovering from the pandemic. And no place really typifies that more than the NHS. Uh, luckily, today, in time of recording this, the uh, waiting lists have been taken back a bit uh, after the pandemic backlog. But the NHS is facing a crisis, facing a crisis of funding, facing a crisis of how to cope with all the issues and climate change is going to add to that in terms of what happens in terms of resourcing, but also in terms of what happens to us as people. But the NHS is in effect a business like other businesses. So it needs to look at what it's doing about its own carbon footprint. How can it reduce the cost of its running costs and what damage that does in terms of emissions? Well, the NHS in Greater Manchester is really taking this to the fore and they've set up a new sort of body to look at how to tackle this with an ambitious green plan to try and get to net zero by 2038. Let's consider what that means, let's have a think about how they'd go about it and what it all entails. Joining me today on the Net Hero podcast, I'd like to say is Sarah Price, Chief Officer for Health Inequalities uh, in uh, Greater Manchester. Uh, Sarah, thanks for joining us. Can you just lay out what Manchester is? Now, people might know that Manchester, most of us have probably been there, but kind of in terms of a population area that the NHS serves, it's not just Manchester itself, is that right? No, it's the 10 local authority areas that make up the city region. So that's from Bury in the north right down to Trafford and Stockport in the south. So um, we cover all 10 of those areas and that's a population of about 2.8 million people. How many sort of buildings would you have there? I don't know if you've got the specific because, but I assume you've got hospitals and GP centres and things like that. So there are nine hospitals, there are two mental health trusts, there are about 2,000 primary care points of access, whether that's GPs, community pharmacy, dentistry or optometrists across Greater Manchester. So huge numbers of opportunities for people to contact the health service. That's a lot of real estate, isn't it? It is. 
is, I mean, the hospitals themselves are huge. I think you've got some ideas that you can tell the audience about kind of your carbon footprint at present, and then we'll explain, you know, we'll, we'll explore this green plan. But right now, what, what is the sort of carbon footprint for, for the NHS in Greater Manchester? Well, overall, the health sector is responsible for about four to five percent of carbon emissions nationally. So, you know, it's a massive contributor to um, that carbon footprint and it's around 40 percent of the public sector's carbon emissions. So, you know, we've got a massive job to do to um, improve our record, but also to uh, reduce climate change overall. The, the NHS is the biggest employer, probably, I think, in the city region. And yeah. again, we've got the opportunity, therefore, to really lead the way in changing the way we do things, making things more sustainable. Yeah, I think at present you sort of got a footprint of about 1.4 million tonnes of CO2. Is that right? And you, you want to sort of reduce that? Yes, we do want to reduce it. And we're also part of what the Mayor Andy Burnham's trying to do with his five-year plan for the environment, but also his commitment to net zero um, for 2038. So we've got a big job to do to support that wider work across the whole of the city region, not just within the NHS. I think your plans are quite quite staggering, really. Within three years, you, you want to go from 1.4 million to sort of 800,000. That's, that's a big chunk. I suppose it's it's where have you got those um, real opportunities to make change and some of them are quite big, you know, that obviously energy is, is a major contributor. So the heating and all the rest of it that we use to run our hospitals and to our primary care sites, etc. So there's there's a big opportunity there as we can make things, we can change things and uh, do things differently. The fleet that we use, so um, all the cars, the ambulances, the you know people travelling around to appointments, from appointments, um, we can do an awful lot in those areas as well. So I think there are you know some opportunities to get some. I, I hate to say quick wins but i think there are some things we could do that can make a really big difference quite quickly let's explore some of this stuff that you know everyone's been to a hospital everyone's been to a gp clinic right sometimes they're really nice and flash and sometimes they're really old and falling apart so in terms of where your energy goes and you touched a little bit of there what is your main emissions i assume it's the heating and and then what well our use of plastics is very high one of the big areas that we're looking at at the moment are inhalers. So um, an awful lot of people have respiratory problems, they use inhalers and they're gas propelled. And we know that if we change to a, um, a different type of inhaler, very simple to do, for about 80% of patients, it will make no difference at all. And by doing that, we can really reduce the gases that are contained within those in order to reduce carbon emissions. And then you start to look at some of the things that we do day to day. For example, in theatres, we use reusable, if we used reusable um, instruments um, and we reduce the plastic in those, we can make a really big difference there. So it's looking at everything we do from start to finish and thinking about what, what we do differently. Obviously, heating and lighting are a major uh, contributor, but there are lots of other things as well that make a big difference. I don't know if you've got these facts, Anne, but sort of how many of your hospitals, you mentioned nine in the region, are they powered by green energy? What Have you moved? the buildings and you know your kind of um, 2000 odd 
uh, centres and clinics. What what's going on, or or is that kind of because it's a very difficult one with GP clinics are sometimes private, aren't they? And they they would yeah. have their yeah. deals. How, how is how is all that happening in terms of kind of the basic big win, which is trying to move people over to to greener power? So one of the things that um, uh, we're doing is working together, which after the pandemic, obviously, has strengthened that way of working. So rather than seeing our organisation separately, we're combining together to look at the things that we can do that would benefit everyone. And that might be piloting new ways of doing things on particular sites. So at Salford Royal, they're looking at an electric fleet of heavy goods vehicles. I think it might be the first in the country, actually. So we're looking at that to see whether or not that's feasible for moving things around and would mean that we could uh, reduce emissions there and if that works then we'd be able to look at how we do that more uh, across the piece north manchester general part of the manchester foundation trust based in crumsall that that hospital is part of the national 40 hospitals that have been funded to be rebuilt and it'll be really important that that redevelopment and that site is done in such a way as to create much more energy efficient buildings using new types of energy um, and building in as much as we can to contribute to that reduction whether it be solar or heat uh, exchange and all of those kinds of technologies i'm afraid i'm not an expert in those areas but um those are the sorts of thinking about what, what what is you know are you sort of in charge of this green plan or are you just involved in it how, how does it work so all organizations in the nhs now have to have a green plan so all the trusts have have one and it's been signed off by their boards where they focused on key things and what we're doing is our ics as a whole has to have a green plan too which our board signed off uh, recently and it's really important that we all contribute and we look at what can be done at GM level that perhaps would be more difficult for individual areas to do themselves so our plan is is pulling together and combining all of those things across Greater Manchester but then looking at the things that we can do on top and what we can do to support and help people deliver whether it's through estates whether it's through working with primary care whether it's thinking about uh, what we might contribute as a region you know across the whole of the northwest so so it, it's it's an important way of combining things and my role is really to coordinate that at, at that gm look i mean i'm all for it right we, we are future net zero all about better business better planet we're all about kind of making sure that we have a lower footprint but the argument could be put that changing these things is going to cost money and at this time the NHS should be putting all that money into the frontline services, reducing the backlog after pandemic. How do you answer that sort of criticism, which I think is unfounded, but it is out there that, you know, yeah. hey, hang on, why, why are you getting electric vans and electric uh, ambulances that could pay for a nurse or something like that? Well, these things need to be replaced at some point anyway. So when we do replace them, we should be looking to um, more energy efficient options. And as I said uh, uh, earlier on, you know, the contribution the NHS makes to overall carbon emissions is massive. So we should be really looking at those. And the other thing is that there's a health impact for all of this. So that's why it's important for the NHS. If we if we Sorry, have, how, how do you mean there's a health impact? Well, if you have emissions 
pollution, etc. That's affecting respiratory illness, expecting cardiovascular disease. So in the longer term, by doing this, we reduce the number of people that require health treatment going forward. So really important that we see it as a whole. So that clean air, so active travel, so cycling or using public transport rather than driving your own car reduces emissions uh, and improves the health of the population. So there's a there's a win anyway in terms yeah. of kind of as you're decarbonising, the, the, the local environment is improving. Exactly, exactly. I mean, the, the way I like to think about it is that, um, you know, there's a win in it for everybody. So, you know, if we improve emissions from cars, etc., then we all benefit from that. So we'll be healthier. So yes, less admissions to hospital, but the environment will be better. We have better mental health. You know, that there's a knock-on effect. It can only be a positive virtuous circle, if you like. You know, the point you make is a good one. It is more expensive to do some of these things at this point, but it will reach a place where actually it's the more cost efficient thing to do as some of the older technologies fall out of favour. And also there's new technology coming on board all the time. You know, what we could do 10 years ago to what we can do now has changed completely. We need to be able to capitalise on all of that. And, you know, I'm from a public health background, so I would say this, but but you need to invest in the longer term as well as in the here and now, because otherwise, you know, nothing changes, does it? We're just constantly chasing to keep up. Whereas if we can invest in some of that longer term benefit, I think we can see how we can cope as we move move forward into the, the rest of the 21st century. Budgets are always tight, right? And, and the NHS budget is tight and we all know that. So when you're looking at this, let's just go through some of the areas that you might cover in this green plan. Are you going to try and do things that, as you said earlier in this conversation, easy wins first? You might go and say, actually, we can put LED lights into this surgery or we can, because investing in building a new building with sustainable materials, yeah, in the end, it'll be much better. But that's a lot of money up front. Capital costs are high. So what are the sort of things you're going to prioritise as part of kind of coordinating things? And how do you even do an inventory with 2,000 sites? You don't know what GP clinic has. It might have leaky windows and other ones. But how are you doing all of this? Because this, this I find fascinating to try and work out how you'd even, you know, get to know what's out there before you can address the problem. There's really, there is real enthusiasm amongst staff to, to do that, whether it's in primary care or in the hospitals. And I think what we've been talking about is that actually some small changes could make a really big difference. So I mentioned inhalers. So for an individual, that, that's not a big change in their lifestyle, is it? No, and no. then in terms of buildings, and as you pointed out, primary care practitioners are in so they don't you know they have a contract with the nhs but they don't um, actually uh, yeah aren't, aren't owned by the nhs but what you can do is look at what the there are grants and other things that can help people improve their buildings improve um, access uh, for people and then there's also technology so one of the things that's happened over the last few years is a move to more um, online consultations rather than always having to go to the surgery, for example, uh, to see your GP. Certainly, whether it's telephone or video, it has made a really big difference, especially to the working population. You know, if you don't have to take time off to go and see your GP, but you can um, phone them up or have a video call a zoom call with them um, it means that that both save time but also you there's journey saved aren't there so it's things like that that we want to look at as well as the more technical side of things um, yeah 
create. Al al although, personally, I can't stand that. Because I've was got a chesty cough. Well, you cough on the on the video. But you need someone to, to listen to your chest, don't you? The day we can have a proper kind of telemedicine, that will be the one, Sarah, when someone just scans you and goes, yeah, I can tell what's up yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure for, it doesn't you know it's not for everything and it doesn't no. suit everybody but but for a lot of people it makes things a lot more straightforward no, no, I, so, I, so I, the byproduct I, I suppose what I'm saying is that the the byproduct of that of that technology is a reduction in journeys and a saving in carbon emissions so you know it's all contributing to the totality and I think is something that will develop as we go forward are you going to have to get some new money to do any of this so when you start looking at this plan and as you said it's all part of what andy burnham wants to do is there more money for you to say to to care pr pr uh, practitioners and generally if you're looking at your buildings at the, the nine hospitals you've got right okay i got a bit more budget guys we can do this we can start to electrify we can start to install solar change heating or, or are you going to have to just work with what you've got to try and put this green plan together well i think there are monies available so but very specific for things that you can bid for and will be made available nationally. So there are monies available to, to, to help move people over that hurdle of, you know, the first investment, etc. Not Not a huge amount yet, but I, I mean, it is coming. But I think that the most important thing is, you know, in Greater Manchester, we spend about six billion pounds on health and social care. And you know, it's, it's about the majority of that spend rather than the additional bits that, that, that we can add on around the edges. I think it's really important that we look at the totality, not just the new that might come through, because it's never it's going to be dwarfed massively by what we're already spending. So what, what, what do you think will be the, the biggest, easiest win for the NHS? Is it the, the energy to the buildings? I, th I think those 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 are huge areas and yes probably are where we're going to find our biggest hits but yeah. you know that's going to take longer than than some of the shorter term things that we potentially can do so if you know if, if we can get some of these other things in place i think I, th I think it gives people confidence as well to see that they are contributing and making a difference you know we've been talking to staff about cycling to work and active travel um you know making facilities available bidding for money to to be able to do that working very closely with transport for greater manchester on how we might do that more efficiently and effectively yeah. we've got sarah story as our new commissioner around um walking and cycling you know those those are, are really important contributions and the other issue is about more deprived communities how do we contact them how do we make it real for them how do we support them um, because it's people from those kinds of backgrounds that are significantly less likely to have access to you know the sorts of things that would allow them to uh, benefit from some of these changes whether it's access to high quality broadband uh, or uh, having being able to to take time off work to do things in a way that some of us might have more flexibility because their jobs are, are much you know are paid by the hour or you know all of, of those things we need to to think about as, as we roll this forward to make sure that we don't create bigger sort of um, inequalities in doing this so that everyone's benefiting. A couple of other things I'd like to cover. Y your supply chain, right? So you, you go into a hospital, there's normally a shop there. You've got all the stuff that's coming in medically. You've got all the gloves and the medical equipment and, as you say, the plastics. Then you've got all the food and you've got waste as well, masses of waste. What are you looking around 
your supply chain in particular how the NHS in Manchester deals with waste? So the supply chain in the NHS is quite centralised. And one of the things we've been talking about is whether or not there's more we can do around procurement and moving to more social value in procurement. So buying more locally, developing uh, relationships with providers over a much longer period of time so that they they can make changes and build those in because they've got confidence about the uh, contracts that they're going to hold the nature of the products that are available, use of less plastic, et cetera, building that in. And in in the contracts that we set, making environmental benefit part of the judgment that we make in, in, in letting contracts. So it's part of that social value. So th- th- that's some of the stuff that, that we're going to do. I think reducing plastic use has been a big, a big first step. You know, can we gloves was something that we were looking at actually before the pandemic there was some fantastic work um, previously on reducing the number of gloves that you use but obviously the pandemic sent us a bit the opposite direction so we've got to restart that work and think again about where do you really need to make sure that you've got um, barriers to infection and where can actually you do things differently and sorry sorry to interrupt but but that's a really important point because without you know everyone's trying to cut plastic but without plastics particularly with what happened with covid we would have been in real trouble, wouldn't we? We couldn't ever. So there is a fine balance between how we do there this. There is. But, but things like um, when we give a vaccination, there's something called no touch technique where you don't actually need to wear gloves because the way that you give the vaccination means that you aren't exposing anybody to risk. And and it's things like that that, that change things. And whether when you need gloves and when you don't need gloves, I mean, Again, obviously, because of the pandemic, people have been really hyper aware of where they need to make sure that they're uh, protecting both the patient, the public and themselves. But we need to re- reset that now and think about, you know, do we need it? Were we being overly um, careful? Could we do less in terms of use? Because it's absolutely massive. What do people think about this so there you touched on the staff thing and i'd like to explore that a bit more because it's it's all great but you know it's that it's that real big thing isn't it it's like the old thing my dad just said turn the lights off right it's it's one of those things um and hospitals are funny places they're busy they can't have things like turning the lights off because people need to work through the night and all of that stuff but you know you have to have your staff participating that they put things in the right recycle bins or they do all of that what have you done in terms of trying to do any engagement and and see whether there'll be some support for this i mean the feedback that we've had is that there's huge huge support amongst staff for this agenda and they're very keen to participate and to contribute so talking about what what they can do differently and we have been looking at training for people so certainly um i know former ccgs they've They've done training programmes for the whole of the workforce. CCG? Commissioning groups. Um, Oh. Yeah. So they've just gone out. They've just disappeared on the 1st of July, but uh, clinical commissioning groups. But um, so Salford, for example, all the staff there were trained in sustainability. Uh, My own department, um, we trained everybody in sustainability there. And it's, it's about what small changes you can make, both in your home life as well as in your work 
setting to um, improve your contribution. And it's those small changes, big difference type of conversations. But understanding things like um, when you put an attachment on an email, that takes up a lot of energy because it has to yeah. be stored server somewhere, which has to be cooled, which, you know, so I, I mean, until I started doing this work, I didn't know that that would, that, you know, that that was an issue. I thought the fact that I wasn't sending bits of paper was a good idea. <laughs> So, so, you know, the way that we work so that we don't start sending lots of things around, but but we share files in a way that, that use, using the technology that's available so that we can work on documents or whatever it might be, reports, but but not send them backwards and forwards because that takes more energy. So it's things like that that people feel really inspired about and, uh, you know, having a washing machine at 30 degrees rather than 40 or uh, yeah. transferring to an electric car or preferably using active travel maybe cycling and um, part of your journey um, even if not all of it those kinds of things where are we with all of this right now so have you started to enact the plan uh, as i said it's a three-year project so is there kind of are there some certain targets for like year one and when when will you know so we're working through with with people at the moment in terms of a delivery plan. So our green plan, we were laughing because we were oh, not laughing, but we were saying, you know, it's more of a strategy rather than a plan. We now need to develop the plan to deliver. And so that's the work we're doing at the moment. And we've got key leads across the system for each area set out in our plan. Um, and we're working up the detail of that and the timescales for delivery. And as I said, there will be things that we can do more quickly than others, but it's about having that joint work across the whole of the system and for that, the leadership coming from the system. So it's not a top down telling everybody what to do. It's everyone owning, the, their elements of the plan and and being responsible to each other for delivery. So could you actually, I mean, I don't know, maybe you haven't got one, but do you have like a target like 5% in year one or something like that or, or not? No, we have, no, we haven't done that. I think until we get into the detail, I think we've got, we've got more to go to, to be able to determine, you know, what that's going to be like. What do you think this will do for patients? Because at the end of the day, that's really what matters. It's all very well having all this splash stuff, but if we still can't see the doctors, then what, it's, it's a waste of time for us as patients. What, what do you hope this will do in two ways? One is obviously not to detract from the current healthcare people are getting, but perhaps, as you say, to help Im improve the healthcare people. So there's hopefully people will live more active and healthier lives and therefore will need less healthcare um, uh, across the lifespan. At the moment, we have significant numbers of people living with poor health for a very long time. So it's not just about how long you live, but it's how you live, isn't it? So help what we call healthy life expectancy. Yeah. In of Greater Manchester, um, people start to have um, health impact in their 50s. So, you know, we're saying that, that they may live till they're 80, but they'll live for 30 years with poor health so, mm. or more. So what we're trying to do is to overall improve people's experience of health and health outcome. And, and so ultimately, what it's get, this will do for patients is to contribute to that, to improve the environment that we live in, to improve the, the air that we breathe, to therefore mean that we can um, uh, expect less respiratory disease, that we, we walk and cycle more, we take more physical activity, uh, uh, because the environment's nicer, we want to do it, our mental health's improved. All of those things mean that it contributes to the to, to overall patient outcome. So, that, so there's that. 
and I guess too that it means that we feel that we work and are you know as as NHS employees we're contributing to the overall improvement of our of our economy um, overall if we can get the social value right we're creating jobs we're um, sustaining people with reasonable income you know all of those things this this agenda contributes to brilliant I can't think of anything better my last question to you is very simply is this being followed by other NHS trusts are they looking at what you're doing are you working with others so obviously the NHS is requiring us all to have plans now because we've been working on it for a while in GM we're perhaps a bit further ahead than some places but there's always things to learn from others so we participate in some of the work that's happening across the whole of the northwest so it's Cheshire and Mersey, Lancashire, South Cumbria um, but also at a national level understanding what's going on uh, there and looking for best practice elsewhere that we can adopt here and also sharing our best practice in order that people can uh, learn from us too yes. Well, look, I think it's a great idea. I think it's a, it's a really important way of bringing net zero to everyone's mind because we all interact with the NHS. So, uh, Sarah Price, thanks so much for joining us today on the Net Hero podcast. Thank you. Very welcome. Sarah, there, and, you know, a, a really big commitment there to, to cut, you know, 300, 400,000 tonnes of carbon dioxide in three years that's a big task they've got there but i really wish them luck and i think it really does show that if you put in the effects of a really clear strategy it doesn't matter what size of business the little gains as she said there the small wins will make a big difference uh, that's about it for this week please make sure that you keep abreast of everything on futurenetzero.com there's plenty of great stuff there and I'd like to point uh, your attention to the 101 section we had a call the other week where someone said oh, you know I really want to get to know all the stuff about kind of the basics of SDGs and scope one two and three and I said Do you know what it's all there for free so if you're trying to navigate the world of net zero Go to futurenetzero.com, look at the 101 section, and you'll find really easy nugget type information to put you in the know. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Thanks for listening to this Future Net Zero podcast. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to the website at www.futurenetzero.com. Future Net Zero. Better business, better planet.